Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick and Casey. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on spoilerverse.com. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. To the Spoilerverse, and welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan, that is Mr. Horsley, and today on the show, well, it's Brian Lynch, isn't it? It is, it is. He uh, has written a, uh, he's kind of on fire right now, writing movies. He wrote Sea Life Pets 1 and 2, he wrote the Minions movie, Minions Rise of Gru, which comes out next year, he wrote Hop, he wrote Puss in Boots, I mean, he's yeah, been he writing do a lot the, of movies. Didn't he do the Angel and Spike comic book as well? He did. He wrote a bunch of Angel and Spike books. He wrote some stuff for for teen, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Worked for IDW. I mean, the guy's got guy quite the is career. On fire, yeah, fire, fire. Oh man! <laughs> and Casey got to sit down and talk with him about all things Brian Lynch, and it was a good time. Man, I kind of want to go back in time and tell Casey, no, this is yeah. going to be go back in time. Like, no, yeah, we're doing this one. You can go somewhere else, right? But what the heck? We can't do that because Casey already did it. We don't have a time machine yet, so. Dang it. All right. Well, let's sit back and enjoy the ramblings of Casey and Brian Lynch and so forth. All right, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of Spoiler Country. My name is Casey Allen, and today on the show, we have screenwriter, sometimes actor, and he does a lot of other stuff too. Brian Lynch. Brian Lynch has a movie coming up, Minions: Rise of Gru. And well, let's just let him tell you about it. He has, he has a lot of stuff he has to say. Brian, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm fantastic. I'm not really an actor though. I mean, I've been in a couple things, but I would think I'm. Te- First of all, I'm terrible at acting. Um, <laughs> so even though I've been in stuff, I wouldn't define. Okay, I guy, define myself as an actor. <laughs> that wouldn't even be number two or three. I'd probably go writer, director, cartoonist, editor, actor. That's probably where I'd go. But I am terrible at acting. The only thing I think I'm good in is my friend Vincent Pereira made a movie called A Better Place. And I'm in it for maybe 10 minutes. And I'm okay in it because the rest of the movie is so good that it, it elevated me. So, so can, can we... Can we start? Because you, you mentioned Vincent. Vincent, you grew up with. You went to high school with him, right? I did. I um, met him uh, freshman year in high school. And, and you you guys, that is that kind of the, the origin of, of how you got into the business? You you you, you met up with like-minded people and it just well, kind of built up from there? I always, I always wrote screenplays. I always wrote comics, even if I didn't know how to like structure the screenplays. So Vin definitely helped ignite it even more, but I was, I was writing and shooting stuff with a VHS camera, like the stop motion animation stuff before I met Vin, but 
he definitely, I mean, he, it led to working on his movie and then it led to getting my own movie two years later. So we shared a passion and that kind of, that brought us together and it definitely inspired me to go further with it. But I always wanted to be a writer and I always thought I was going to make movies or cartoons. I never thought it was going to, I just, I just assumed it was going to happen because I wanted to do it and I was ready to work for it. So I, I wrote a lot of scripts even before anyone wanted to read any of them. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. It, it's, it's so like, it, it's amazing that you guys all kind of met up and I'm, because, I mean, I'm sure you kind of spurred each other on. Oh, for sure. We, I, I mean, Vin, the first thing Vin and I really bonded over, and I don't know if he remembers this, but he would bring Fangoria into English class and he would, <laughs> he would just tell me about child's play. And I was so intrigued by this movie. I'm like, oh, this is going to be like a straight to video thing. And he's like, no, no, this is going to be in the theater. I'm like, really? All right. And he would show me the articles. I'm like, oh, this is cool. So every time I see Child's Play, I kind of am reminded of Vin. He also let me borrow um, Killer Clowns from Outer Space on VHS. I love that movie. Yeah, I still love it. It's, <laughs> it's so original and so it's got its own personality, which I love in movies when they're just this own their own thing. That wouldn't exist if these people that made ha- hadn't come up with the idea themselves. And, and he also let me borrow Lost Boys, which was so yeah. He he kind of inspired any any love of horror or like of horror even, which is mostly horror comedies, is because of Vin for sure. And I'm really glad I I I, I got placed next to him in English. And then we had a, a, a another like minded friend named Santo Brulo, who just hysterical, like great writer, great performer. And then we met another guy named Tom Shields who. Uh, was a great actor and then a great, he came up with ideas too. So we all started making movies uh, in high school together. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I just and, and, recently, I just, I just found them and uploaded them so they could watch them for the first time in decades. And we, oh, all, that's we were very embarrassed by them. <laughs> oh, but I mean, that that's the origin. That's where you started and that's where you kind of cut your teeth. Right. And you know what, like as, as goofy as they were, there's definitely elements of, of these movies that have leaked into like, like minions and, and 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 other stuff that I write and other comic book work that I do. Yeah, it, it, it's just great. I mean, it's always that's kind of what high school is, is. Is even junior high was like that. Is finding like minded people and sticking together for survival, basically. And uh, yeah, and, and they were my they were my group. I mean, you know, we pulled in other people to help us all the time. And and then Vin and I went to the same college too, so we continued making um, really weird VHS movies in college too. That's, did you did you go to college for like screenwriting or or directing or anything like that? I went to William Patterson uh, in New Jersey, and they had a concentration in communication. So I learned about all sorts of filmmaking, writing. But it, I, as far as my parents knew, it wasn't just for filmmaking. It was you're gonna I'll get a job in TV, like work pro- maybe producing or writing. Or they didn't know. They just wanted to make sure screenwriting didn't work out that I'd be okay. So I took a lot of filmmaking classes, but took all sorts of uh, communication class in general. My goal, of course, was to, to make movies. So, but, but they, they wanted me to fall back, have fallbacks. And I, and I, and I did that. I took classes to, to learn uh, things in case I didn't become a writer. That's awesome. And so what, what, has it always been animation? It, has that always been your passion? Or it's funny though. It, no, not at all. In fact, my dad would. I always liked it, it, the only animation I really watched from as a kid was like Saturday morning stuff, like Super Friends or or after school stuff like GI Joe, Transformers. But in terms of animated movies, my parents, aside from very early on taking me to see Jungle Book, 
never took me to animated movies. My dad took me to Tootsie and Nine to Five and Beverly Hills Cop, <laughs> Ghostbusters opening night. He, I wanted to see The Natural, and he's like, "No, we're seeing Ghostbusters." So animation wasn't wasn't what I had in mind until until I started talking to people at, at Blue Sky, and then the same people went and started Illumination. I, I love you know I love The Simpsons. That was in, started when I was in high school, and that was real influential on on stuff I wrote. But the stuff I wrote that The Simpsons influenced w- was live action. It was uh, Big Helium Dog, which I made w- uh, with Kevin and Ben. And it no, it wasn't until later. But but I've learned that animated movies are kind of the new live action comedy, in that nobody's really making live action comedies for for theatrical release anymore, except for Seth Rogen, basically. So and Paul Feig. So if if you if I want to make a comedy, a movie in theaters, it, it has to be animated, and that's why like Secret Life of Pets is very. Planes, trains, and automobiles, but with dogs. Uh, Minions. <laughs> I've never thought about it that way. Oh my gosh! It is extremely Dumb and Dumber. Minions is very Dumb and Dumber. The only thing when I was a kid that I liked that was also for kids, other than the aforementioned like Saturday morning cartoons, was the Muppets. And that felt like when I was watching it, it wasn't just for kids because my parents were laughing at it too. So that that definitely inspired stuff too. And that was the first spec sale of a script I ever made was a Muppet script I wrote for fun. Oh, that's um, awesome, it, and and I see that that in in your own work. Like I, I remember just sitting down with my kids and watching Minions. You know when it came out, and just in the opening, I was laughing my butt off. <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna enjoy this. Oh, that's great. So <laughs> just you know all the little references that you can kind of sneak in. It's it's super fun stuff, and it. Well, it makes it it makes it fun for everybody. I hope so. I really do. I, I it, it's funny with that movie. That movie was the least amount of anyone telling us what to do when we made a movie. It was just it was basically just illumination, and then like Universal would come in after screenings and give us notes. But it was it felt like that movie felt like how making an independent movie feels like. It felt like what do we find funny? Well, let's try it and see if it works. What about, oh, but the plot isn't working here. Well, you know what? It's funny. Like, let's let's lean towards it being funny. And when we had our first test screening, we realized that maybe we made it a little bit too much for us. And it was some of the adult jokes. The, the kids didn't mind at all, but the adults with the kids were like, no, you can't say that. Like, you can't. And we're like, oh, okay. So we toned it down a little. And we went back and we remembered that, oh, yeah. And, and you know, it's funny is when we watched, when we made that movie, and it's funny to think now because it was a, it was it, it did well, but when we made it, we didn't know if it was going to do well. We knew it, we liked the characters, but it was without Gru, we didn't know if the minions were gonna they were gonna work. So when we we showed up for the test screen, the first test screening with like a year to go before the movie came out, we saw at the movie theater there was a line of people wrapped around the theater one and a half, two times, way oh, wow. more than the capacity for the theater would allow. And the kids there all had like minion sleeping bags, minion dolls. And, we were, and I turned to like Chris Meldandri, who's the, who's like the, makes all the illumination movies. Is, uh, and I said, I think, I, I think we, this is going to be their, their Woodstock. Like this is like, these, <laughs> these kids are ready for it. And it was so crowded that kids laid out their minion blankets, like in front of the screen, if they didn't have a seat and we let them stay. And it was, it played, it played great. Like it was, it played, it played wonderful. And that's, and that was a wonderful moment. That was when we realized this really weird movie we were working on was not just for like, it was not just for us. It was for everybody. And that was cool. That was really cool. 
that that's amazing and it it's really kind of telling of your abilities as a writer to to be able to write for not just you know 40ish white dudes so, <laughs> <laughs> well i'm also super <laughs> immature so that helps i'm really immature that was a lot of trial and error though like sometimes we got really smart with that movie and we had to make it less smart sometimes we got really dumb and we got we had to get less dumb like it was really whatever plays we're gonna keep and, and i loved it i love making that that movie when i watch it i remember every moment of making it i remember where we were when we like said what about this joke or where i was when i tried I, you know, I had an idea or, you know, I, I, or where I first saw the storyboards for the first time. It, it was, it was, it was a great experience. And I only got that gig because I wrote the Minions Ride at Universal. And oh, they, cool. they, they saw that I had the, I got the voice down because I'd worked on Hop at, at Illumination. And they're like, by the way, we're doing a Minions Ride. And we know they knew I liked, I liked theme park rides. And I was like, I especially, I love like Back to the Future and the Harry Potter ride and the Simpsons ride are just like some of the best <laughs> rides and like do you want to write it and it sounded like yeah that i could do that that'll be no pro-. like a ride is not a long thing the ride script was 60 pages it was like oh I gosh. stuff <laughs> while you're waiting online that sets up the story but it was the most fun it was so fun and such a new experience and, and i got to do it again with the pets ride that's coming soon too that oh wow that's awesome and, and that's got to be a new kind of rewarding for you as, as a creator, just yeah. because it's, it's immersive. It's not just, you sit down and watch it on a screen. You're it's, actually surrounded totally, by the thing. Yeah. Because I didn't expect to ever write a ride. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's never, <laughs> you never go like, oh, I'm going to write a theme park ride. And it, and when they said, go ahead and start writing it, I had, nobody gave me a script for a theme park ride. So I had no idea what they looked like. So I just wrote a movie script and then in parentheses and bold, no, in italics and bold, I would write what the writer is going through while all this other stuff is going on. And it worked. They never gave me notes. They never said, that's not how you do it. I don't think there is a specific template uh, for theme park ride. How does one research that? (laughs) Only because I've been on every ride. I knew exactly like, I knew exactly (laughs) what is expected of the ride. And I, they sent me to Orlando and we had long talks with the head of the parks and like the kind of stuff they like to do. And like, they gave me the rules of like at a universal ride, the first couple minutes, the first couple seconds of the actual ride, there should be a bit of a scare, like get, you know, get them, get the people right away. And so I went back and I put that in, oh, and water rides. And, and if there's a smell here, are the certain smells that will last and ruin the ride for everyone, if you do it, but here are the smells that go away quickly. So like it was, it was so fun. It was so weird and fun. And and then they we got to go to the premiere in, in Florida and the premiere in California. And I believe it's, I haven't been there yet, but I believe it's in Japan too. Like it's, and I think oh, it's right. China as well. Like it was, and then based on that, they're like, hey, do you have any ideas for a Minions movie too? And I'm like, what? Okay. Like, <laughs> all right, we'll keep, we'll keep trying. Yeah. So I, I guess now you're, you're just going to start making franchise movies so you can write rides because that's your yes. new that's your new true passion yes <laughs> movies are just the means to write the eventual rock for everything um, i think i'm done i think because i'm I, you know i think minions and pets they have they have their rides so i don't know i don't I, I, my, my son asked that recently he's like are you gonna write another ride and i'm like well i don't want to be greedy like i wrote two rides like i don't want to be like Give me a, come on, give me a third. Just let me have a third ride. But, uh, you know, if the opportunity presents itself, yeah. My wife has worked on rides. She worked on the, 
she works at Lucasfilm, so she's worked on all the Star Wars oh, rides. Wow. So, yeah, this is a house of people that enjoy rides and merchandise. <laughs> so we we went to Disney for the first time like two years ago and saw them building the the Star Wars park, and we're we're just chomping at the bit. We're ready. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, uh, it's incredible. It's so it's so immersive. I, I can't I can't get over it. I just can't get over what they did with it. I am I'm very proud of her. She worked hard on that, so it's it's cool. So either park we go to in California, unless we go to Knotts or Six Flags, we're covered. We we both worked on two different parks. So you you have the the rise of Gru. So you you got your you, you got two Minions films under your belt. Right. Or actually, well. Two well, in a short, which is with with the with Minions two. I just wrote the story, and I was I was told to concentrate more on Pets two at the time because they were going parallel. So I wrote the story, and then someone else. I don't know if it's been announced who wrote the screenplay based on the story. But I got to you know I I I've just went to Target recently, and they have all the toys up because I guess it was scheduled, even though the movie's been um, delayed a year. So I saw all the toys and I'm like, oh, I created that character. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> I guess she made it. Like, so it was very, it was very cool. Like I was walking through, I'm like, oh, there's a serial of minions. That's awesome. Like, so I, I, I it's in great hands. Kyle and, and Brad directed it and they're, they're hilarious, but I didn't work on it day to day, which kind of stinks because Steve Carell was in this one a lot. And I really want to work with him as much as possible because he's such a joy. He's like the nicest person and he's the funniest person. Yeah. He's, he seems like a rad guy. He is, you know, we, we recorded him, obviously I worked on him with him on the ride and he came back last year, like years after the ride was done to re-record a line for the ride. Cause they changed something slightly. They took the 3d out at universal California. So they had to take a line out where Gru's like, here are your 3d glasses. We came up with another joke instead. And we talked again and it was just like, it was, he's the funniest off the cuff. He's the funniest person. And also doesn't seem aware that he's Steve Carell. Like he's, he's a legend and he's just hanging out and it's, it's, I don't know. He's a, he's a great guy. He, you know, he also recorded, he came in at the end of Minions for Gru for as Gru for the first, the last scene. And he did that. And he was, he watched it. I saw the trailer for Minions for the first time with him. He had, and we watched it together and he's like, this looks amazing. And I'm like, all right, Steve Carell is happy with it. That makes me. <laughs> so you, you not only have the, the film stuff, and all that other good stuff. And, and I mean, I could go into the stuff you did working with Kevin Smith, which I'd like to. Sure. But also you do comics, man. Yes. Like how many jobs do you have? And, <laughs> I, have <laughs> I have less jobs now that I have a kid, but beforehand when I was like writing movies during the day and then at night I'd write comics. Now it's, I write movies during the day, hang out with my kid and then sleep, like pass out at night. But I just love writing. I really love writing. And I love, I love comic books because it's less people in between writing it and getting it in front of people, like getting people. So if, if I have an idea, there's, you don't have to jump through as many hoops. It's, 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 it's the editor, it's the artist, it's the letterer, it's the colorist. And then it goes to people as opposed to movies where it's like, I wrote this. And then it, you have to go through 80 million different people before something is, is in the movie. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I, and I, and, but at the same time, it, it's time consuming. It's, it's easier to write a script. I don't know. It's easier to write a movie script than a, than a, a comic script. Cause you have to dole out the panel panel by panel. And then if you take one out, it's like a domino effect of, okay, now how does that affect everything else? But I love it. And I was, I've been very lucky. I, I, I worked on a book called spike asylum for IDW, which was a spinoff from angel. 
And the day before it came out, I was waiting for my friend at a restaurant and Joss Whedon came out of the restaurant and he, you know, he created Angel and Buffy and, and I was like, oh, I have a comic with his characters coming out tomorrow and he's walking right by me. That's a weird, that's a sign of some kind. So I went up to him and I never bother people, but I was like, hey, I don't want to bother you. Just, I'm a huge fan. And I talked a mile a minute and I was like, I have a comic coming out starring Spike and it's like, it's, I love your characters and I love, and I hope I did you justice. And if you see it, I hope you like it. Okay. That's it. I'm going to let you go. And he's like, okay, cool. Thanks. Good meeting you. And he walked away. And then, <laughs> and then two months later, I got an email from Chris Ryle as the editor in chief at IDW. It's like, Joss emailed me. He's like, he met you before the comic came out and he, he read your comic and he's like, Oh, Brian nailed this. He got the characters. Does he want to write the continuation of the angel series? I'll help him with the story. And then he goes, and writes the scripts. And I was like, and I was like in the middle of writing movies at the time. And it was like, that's a 20 issue commitment, but it's also one of the best writers working today. Wants yeah. Me yeah. To do it. It's so Joss like, Whedon. Yeah. So. The, hero, the hero of mine. So, so I did it. Of course I said yes. And, and I started going to that restaurant a couple times with him where, where I ran into that first time and we, we plotted it out and then he let me go crazy on it. And it was, that was such a fun experience and it was opened up a whole new thing. Like when I go to a comic con, like the angel and Buffy people were like the nicest people and would show up to signings. And it was just a, it's a lovely group of people. I love, you know, I'm very familiar with Kevin Smith's fan base. Cause I've been lucky enough to work with Kevin and I know the the web board people and stuff through him and they're great people and funny people. And I still talk to them for over 20 years now. Joss Whedon's fans are a completely different group of people and they are just as wonderful. And I see through with, with my wife with star Wars fans, they're also great. It's, it's funny that the the really vocal people online are are kind of the, are usually the the not so nice people, but the majority of fans are awesome and supportive. And I don't know, it was it was a really good experience. And it, it, IDW lost the angel rights to I think it was to Dark Horse, and now they lost it to Boom. So Angel and Spike eventually ended, but after like forty issues of working on it. So I was kind of glad at the time because I would I had my I had my say with the characters. <laughs> and I was like, I need a break. And they're like, oh, IDW is losing the lights. And I'm like, oh, no. But I was fine with it. I, need a break. Uh, but like, now, I, I can rest. I can watch yeah. a, a Netflix. Or right. Oh, no, I can't even do that. Now I can just work on the 80 movie scripts that I have to write. Yeah. But, like, but but now it's been, I don't know how long it's been since I've worked with those characters and I miss them again. So I don't oh, know. Really? I, yeah, I did. Yeah, I love Spike. And I love Angel. And I never got to write the character of Buffy. And I would love to, but Boom is doing a really good job. They don't need me. They they've rebooted the whole series, so Buffy's starting high school again, and it's it's a great series. Do you, do you keep up with the with the Boom comics? I do, I do. Dark Horse, I, I'm behind on because it got it was a lot, and it was also while I was doing the IDW Angel stuff. So if like if I wasn't writing Angel and Weed and stuff, I didn't want to read it. Like I, I needed a break. But now that it's been years and Boom started fresh, it is. It's great. It's great. They're doing a great job. The Angel book is wonderful. The Buffy book is great. I, I love it. I love it. I was trying to think. I'm like, oh, I can't really continue my story with the characters anymore. But these characters are are great. They're doing a really good job. Does it ever feel like um, 
encountering an ex-girlfriend on Facebook or something. <laughs> like, um, uh, it, yeah, well, you know, it, yeah, yes, especially when right when we lost the franchise to, to Dark Horse. I love the Dark Horse guys. Like, I, I know all them, and the editor was, was a nice guy to me. But it was weird to go into a shop and see a Spike book. And I'm like, I had nothing to do with that one. Like, uh, well, oh, but it's looking well. Spike. Yeah, <laughs> so. The hardest one was Boom asked me if I wanted to do a Bill and Ted series. And I and I did it, and I loved I love it. I loved writing it. And and Alex Winter, who plays Bill, was he 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 read it and he liked it. And he did the he did the intro for it, which is the nicest thing in the world. Oh, that's awesome! And then, yeah, it's just an honor to write those characters because I could I could go on for an hour about how influential those two movies are. To I'm so stoked for the third. Oh my gosh, the trailer! I've watched the trailer for it like 30 times. I love it so much. It's great. But but then they asked me if I want to do a second series for. Uh, uh, Bill and Ted and I started writing it out and halfway through writing it out I'm like I can't do it I don't I just don't have time to do it and I and I told my wife I'm like I don't think I'm gonna go to a comic shop for a couple of months because I can't see whoever does do it I can't I can't see that <laughs> the shelf. and and I and I, you know what I and I didn't go in the comic shop but I eventually got those comics and they're wonderful like they didn't that guy that whoever wrote it I forget the name of the person who wrote it I'm sorry but like they didn't miss a beat. They did a great job. But that was a tough one. That was a really tough one to go in and, and know that I had those characters. I was in charge of them for a little while. And then and then someone else got to adopt them. That's awesome that, I mean, you, in a way, you're kind of responsible for helping to keep that fandom alive. Yeah, I don't Just know. Just having that out in the zeitgeist. It was, yeah, it was, oh, the fan, that fandom is devoted and great it was not keeping alive so much as giving them something to concentrate on for a couple months. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, surfacing for a little while to to talk about something new. Um, and I was glad to do it. Like I, I, I loved writing that book. And I and I never read reviews of comics, but I read the reviews on those. And if people didn't like it, it was like oh, like it felt like a gut punch. But luckily, it was mostly positive. But I remember the negative ones, which you always do. Like you're going to remember the negative ones. But yeah, it was it was a great it was a great experience. That was that was great. And the fact that Alex Winter liked it, which is crazy. There's he he took a picture of himself holding the like holding the book, and I was like, that's the weirdest. Oh, that's thing. awesome. <laughs> yeah. He also, by the way, Alex Winter. Not only is he a great documentarian, like he's made a bunch of great documentaries. He wrote, he co-wrote, and co-directed, and starred in a movie called Freaked. Which yes, <laughs> it's that like in college, that was literally the movie my roommate and I would show people. And if they didn't like it, we didn't like them. Like it was, <laughs> it is the most it's your barometer. It's the, it's the funniest movie. It still is. It holds up too. It's just so weird and so funny. And I love it. It's, it's great. So I just like, I, I love Alex Winter uh, beyond Bill and Ted. I, I, he's, he's amazing. He's a genius. So you, you also got to kind of play in the Spider-Man sandbox for a little while. <laughs> I played in the Spider-Man sandbox for, I think, like five minutes. Um, I wrote I wrote an 11-page story for Spider-Man Unlimited, which was supposed to be like new 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 talent writing Spider-Man. And they picked mine to be in the first issue, which was an awesome honor. And Sean Chen drew the art, and it was just great. Oh, and I got great. to use a character from it that I had never I had never seen since that first issue that I that I bought at Acme supermarket with my mom like she took me around um named slide whose power is that nothing sticks to him um, oh nice <laughs> yeah it's it's so it's such a weird character so it was my goal to make it like what if what if what if this really dorky character tried to be cool and that's what my story was about and I, yeah i love it. i wish i could do more spider-man he was 
That's a, I mean, that's such a fun character. Do you have any, do you have any comics currently in the works? Or are you, are you just full bore on, on your movie stuff? Well, it's definitely movie stuff. And I'm, I have, I have a couple like kids books that I've been working on. So it's, so I'm kind of concentrating on that right now, but I've been talking to my friends in the comic industry and they, I've been talking about getting back into it. I just think it'll be later this year for sure. But hold on. My dog's barking. I guess oh, that's didn't. <laughs> she didn't like that uh, last answer. Sorry. Hold on. I'm going to let her in. Go ahead. I'm listening. So you, okay. Sorry. You're, you're actually working with, with Scholastic, which mm-hmm. in terms of like comics right now, people talk about, you know, the big two all the time and their right. sales and how, you know, how they're doing. But if you want to get down to brass tacks, Scholastic and companies like that in their YA series are just really making the numbers. And people that that do books for them are, are kind of giving those kids the gateway drugs. Because right. you, you don't <laughs> – if you think about it that way, you, you don't find comics in, in grocery stores anymore. They don't have spinner racks. No, they don't have them. You know, you can't go down to the drugstore and pick up. And, and also they're they're – a little bit more expensive now. So having comics and stuff like that through Scholastic and kids can get them at the library or at the book fair, that's making lifelong fans and, and sure. kids yeah. that are, you know, really into the medium. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it, it didn't occur to me. You're right. Like when I was a kid, you could find comics anywhere for, for no money. And it, 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 you're right. Scholastic and, and, and book companies like Scholastic are responsible for, for, any new fans coming in basically of comic books exactly excellent point it's it's yeah it's interesting wow that's cool well it's it's such a bummer that the big movie studios like you know marvel and dc with their films they're not making things more accessible to to kids Mm -hmm. i mean if it, it seems like they're they're missing a lot of opportunities to actually get the the printed comics out to people yeah, uh, in, instead of just treating it like a, an IP farm. Well, it's funny because the, there are there are a great line of of Marvel of kids books with Marvel characters, but IDW does them. They they, they Marvel IDW. Oh yeah, Marvel. yeah, they license them out. IDW man, yeah. they do some really smart stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're one. They're wonderful. It's a ton of awesome creative people there, and it's, yeah, it's interesting that it, it, if they didn't have those Scholastic books, then the fan base would just kind of drop off because they were just getting older. But I wonder when if kids see the Marvel movies now, if they then go like, "Oh, this is also a comic." I wonder if they even know it's based on stuff. I don't know. Oh, I don't. Man, know. I hope so. Me too. I mean, I, my kids do, but I mean, my kids are you know see their nerdy old man talking about comics on the internet to people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's a, it's a yeah. It's you know what does help too is my kid loves like the Spider Man series on Disney. So it's, it's, it's out there. It's just, you really got to find it. Another thing that kind of bugs me is that back in my day, like you discover stuff that you like while flipping channels, you'd be like, Oh, this looks interesting. And there's not a lot of channel flipping anymore. It's, oh, yeah. it's, it's, you just go to streaming and you see this picture and you're like, that's what I want to watch. And I don't know if I would have like discovered half the stuff that I love if, if it was the same thing. I don't I, know. I don't know. I get the opposite thing with streaming because I get kind of like freaked out there's so much stuff there's too much stuff that i go i 
and, and also like it's kind of like the endless conversation you have with your wife like what do you want for dinner right so <laughs> i eventually just like drop the remote and go like you watch whatever i'll it, i'll read because so. <laughs> i'm like oh my god there's so many movies i want to watch and then i get so overwhelmed i'm like i'll just watch the office again it's fine yeah. like, just i got i'm tired and i i know the lines and i can fall asleep to it, it it's interesting that's yeah British Baking Show and the IT crowd are my go-to. And what is it? Antiques Roadshow on PBS. Oh, that's good. I like really fancy. I like American (laughs) Picker. American Pickers is good. But I've recently really gotten into what we do in the shadows. I haven't even seen the movie, but I'm watching the show on FX. Show is so good. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Incredible, right? It's it's instantly like I'm only first season. I'm I just started the second. It's instantly one of my favorite shows of all time. Like the the every actor on it is is genius like it's it's hilarious it's and there wasn't a bad episode season one it was i I can't think of his name right now he's the british guy on the show he was also in the it crowd which was oh my go-to barry oh my gosh matt barry is a freaking genius i recently said something but we're working on another an animated movie and i and i said in the email if matt barry isn't the voice of this character then you guys uh you guys didn't listen to me then something has gone horribly wrong like i just keep right i keep I don't know. I keep hearing his voice. I keep imitating it. And my wife has seen a couple episodes, but she's like, what? And I'm like, never mind. It's that. And even I mean, my son he- will never watch that show or not watch it for another 10 years. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. He, He's done VO work. He'll so. line back to me just thinking it sounds funny. It, it's I don't know. It's, it's a it's a brilliant show. FX has a lot of, I don't know, I don't want to turn this into an infomercial for FX, but like, <laughs> but like the show Dave on FX is wonderful. I just watched Basket straight through is pretty great it's right it's like it's just it's it's great and then you know there's i I don't know i could keep going there's a ton of great shows Uh, i normally have to like stay up until like after after my kids go to bed so i have like a limited amount of time that i can watch stuff but (laughs) yeah what we do in the shadows and and baskets i'll I'll definitely watch but uh, most of the time man because i wake up at four every morning for work whoa (laughs) Um, yeah yeah and uh when do you when do you get off I lately they, because of COVID we we've changed our schedule. So I've been getting off. I go in at, uh, at six and get off at four thirty. Okay. But yeah, I wake up super early, get ready, drive into the city and then do, do my, do my time and go home. But yeah, <laughs> it's so hard for me to like, as soon as I get their butts to bed, I'm like, my eyes are like drooping. <laughs> oh, my kid stays up longer than me. Like he stays up past when I stay up now. Like he, I, I'm just, I pass out every night. I, oh, for real? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially so, during this. Cause he can stay up a little later. Cause he's, you know, he's working from home. He's got class from home. So he just, and he, he can sleep late. I, I pass out and he, I always intend to watch stuff. I want to watch like impractical jokers. Cause he knows he met, he met Brian Quinn. Brian's a friend of mine and he, Oh yeah. And, they're Jersey folks. Well, they're Staten Island, but, but oh, okay. But Brian Quinn used to work for Kevin Smith, and and he he was the casting. He helped with casting. He ran it for Big Helium Dog, and he played a, a big part in the movie. So I'm I'm buddies with him, and he he and Henry hung out last year. So when Henry walks by the TV and he's on, he's like, "Oh, that's my friend Brian." I'm like, "Yeah, that's that's." <laughs> so can can we talk a, a little bit about basically like how you how you do your work life, how you do your your work life balance? Because I'm, I'm assuming that you being a writer, you probably work from, you probably work from home a little bit, or if not, I mean, you, you 
you have a family. How how do you achieve a, a good balance with them? Well, when when a movie is in production, and right now I'm just writing two movies for Illumination that in the first draft, so they're not we're not storyboarding them yet. We're not working with the actors. We're just right. I'm just writing it. But when a movie's in production and we're actually editing and watching footage and and working with the actors, I go in three times a week in the morning. It's just like a 20 minute commute. I go in the morning. We watch footage with the director and the animators and the editor who are in France and they're just, yeah, they're ending their day as we're starting. So we'll watch the footage and then based on what we watch, the producer and, and storyboard artists and head of story and myself will talk about what needs to be changed. And then I'll go home and I'll write. So I have two days at home usually to write nothing but write. And then three days where half the day is at home writing, unless we're also recording. And then it's half the day in a recording studio as well. Because I get to go to each one and, and, and throw out alternate takes or lines. And Oh, cool. So, uh, so you're, you're in the VO sessions and, oh, and everyone, kind of throwing yeah, everyone. out one-liners and stuff. If the if the if the actor isn't in state, then I I listen in kind of like how you and I are talking right now. Um, oh, cool! And I'll and I'll, and I'll just type uh, lines to the director, and if the director likes them, he'll he'll feed it to the actor. It's it's a great experience. But for most of the actors, I'd say like everybody in Pets, everyone in Pets Two was uh, Los Angeles based. Sometimes Kevin Hart was away shooting something, and we do it remote because he's shooting. But everybody, like Pat Oswald, Eric Stone Street, you know, Dana Carvey, Bobby Moynihan. Oh, Hannibal. Hannibal's in New York. Hannibal Barres was in New York. He's so good. He's the best. He's the best. And he's just so fun. He's, he's just so fun. To, and, and he's just so fun to talk to. The dude's great. I think Lake Bell, yeah, she was, everyone else was, 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 in, was in the room. When we did Pets 1, Louis C.K. was Max and he did it in New York. So I just listened in and gave notes. But he was replaced for Pets 2 and, and Patton lives right near the recording studio. So, so he, we, he just came in. And you, you guys, I mean, y'all had an amazing array of talent for for that film and, and the other ones as well but you so did that affect how you wrote your 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 screenplay and and wow. all that stuff did that affect how did you try to write in how in their voice oh i always try to write in their voice for sure i always once we know for instance like with the, speaking of louis the difference between louis and pat and how they talk is very different so but we wanted max to sound similar so it was a question of and I, this is this is a little insight. This is a weird one. Um, what we wanted Louis <clears throat> to be sweeter than Louis's persona was on his TV show. Yeah, because he's kind of a, a gruff, right? Gruff guy. So, so I wrote Max nicer than I had to. So Louis leaned into being nice. When we got Patton, who's very sweet, I wrote Max to be a little more, <laughs> give him more of an edge because we wanted Max to be a little more have an edge. So it was the same. It's the same thing. And it was, so, so it was kind of just, I don't think anyone would notice that we had to do that, but that, that's how that went down. And it also helped. It was just that those, I mean, both of them are actually insanely good actors in, in, in addition to being funny. So they got what we wanted to do. Yeah. So I, it, it, yeah, so I'd write to the people for sure. There was one voice in the first movie that was written. I don't know if you remember Albert Brooks played the, the hawk. And yeah, yeah. And pets one. Tiberius. Tiberius. And he's like, he's in my top three pets characters. I love that character. And I was heartbroken that he wasn't in the second one. But he, when I wrote that character, I think I wrote the, I think he, the character was already in it when I took over that movie. And he was, he was supposed to be a little more malicious. Like 
he was supposed to be keeping his hunger for the pets in check the whole movie and then maybe give into it at the end and that he's something they have to avoid. When Albert Brooks came in to record, first of all, the fact that I was in the same room as Albert Brooks is insane to me. Like, that's, I don't deserve that, <laughs> but okay. He want, He's like, can I do it? Like, kind of like Gary Marshall's voice. And we're like, what do you mean? And he did it. And we're like, oh, okay. So, and he did it. And it was, it's exactly what you hear in the movie. It's very calm and like neurotic. And, and so we went back to record the second time I had that voice in my head and I was more ready. And it was just great. And it's also Albert Brooks will, if you, if you write two funny lines, he'll then give you 10 versions of each line. Like, oh, wow. and each one is better than the, than the rest. It's at one point we were talking about having Albert Brooks's character just narrate the closing credits because he was so funny. Just have him talk and, and riff off the names he's seeing. We're like, no, other movies have done that. Pets can't even read. It would, wouldn't make sense if he was reading the credits, but like, <laughs> but it was, yeah. So yeah, we definitely write towards people. And, and, and that's why the sequel was easier because I knew how everyone was going to be like, you know, when you write a movie, when you write a part for Dana Carvey, he can do a thousand voices. And I wasn't sure which one he was going to do when I wrote the first one. By the time he was plugged into the second one, we're like, okay, I got it. I know, I know where we're going. How I, was it? So go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, how was it writing for Harrison Ford? <laughs> that was, <laughs> I, I, I still, I'm lo- literally looking at an action figure of Harrison Ford in my office as I'm saying it. I can't believe I got to do that. And I can't believe at, he did not disappoint at any point. He was the nicest, coolest person. And he was game for anything, like any joke we threw at him. Oh, that's awesome. He was that's great. He was, it, it, it was wonderful. And he'd hang out and, and talk like he would just hang out with us afterwards. He is just a wonderful guy. I could tell you a story. I don't know if I've shared it with anyone is Bobby Moynihan was recording uh, Mel for Pets 2 one morning and Harrison was scheduled for a half hour after Bobby was supposed to be done and we were recording Bobby and the the front desk at the recording studio was like Harrison Ford's here he's here early but he's just going to sit in the lobby and read a magazine and we're like <laughs> he's the most famous person in in the world like people are going to bug him but if you're not expecting to see Harrison Ford you just keep walking I guess so Bobby was recording and then we got on the thing and Bobby is a huge, a huge like comic sci-fi toy, do, like superhero fan, everything loves Harrison Ford. And we got on the mic with Bobby. I'm like, Bobby, uh, Harrison Ford's here. Do you want to meet him? He's like, what? Like, so Harrison came in the booth and hung out with Bobby for a while. And it was, it was the coolest thing in the world. Like it was just the coolest thing for Bobby. And it was the coolest thing to see them together. Yeah. I know at no point, did that guy disappoint? And I'll tell you one more story. Unless, unless Harrison Ford stories are boring. I don't know. Uh, dude, I will never turn down a Harrison Ford awesome. story. My my son, um, Henry, is the is the voice of the little boy in Pets 2. And he, he got the part because when we were, we needed scratch. We needed temporary line readings to see if this kid character was funny. So I grabbed my four or five-year-old son at the time. <laughs> and I recorded it into my phone. And we played it back. And Chris Meldandri the, and Chris Renault, the director was like, this guy, and Jonathan, the co-director, is like, this kid's really funny. And I'm like, oh, good. I'm glad you guys like it. And then we got a new contract. I got a contract in the e- in my email from Universal. Like, can we use Henry's voice? And I was like, oh, my God. I have to talk it over my wife. Okay. So, like, I talked it over my wife. She's like, yeah, as long as he's not, like, doing interviews and stuff. Like, it's, it, you know, it's that's great. That'll be fun. So, I was like, okay. 
So he recorded up until he recorded like from four years old to five and a half, six years old. And he recorded at my house. He did for the scratch. And then he came into the record, like the studio to do it. And I thought he was going to be nervous. And he's, he, he was just like, no, this is what we're doing. And he was cool with it. And he has scenes with Harrison Ford in the, in the movie. Oh, wow. And we were walking around Disneyland and he had not seen any Harrison Ford stuff yet. And I was like, see that guy right there? It's a picture of Indiana Jones. I'm like, that's the guy who's playing Rooster in Pets 2. And he's like, oh, he's like, yeah, that guy's, that sounds right. I'm like, well, you're not hearing him, but okay, if you think so, like, that's fine. And <laughs> he, he, when we got home, he's like, we showed him the Star Wars that Harrison was in, all three that he was in. Uh, we didn't show him the Force Awakens yet because we want Harrison Ford, we want Han Solo to be alive for a little yeah, while. Yeah, we, yeah. You can't I, go. I totally school. get that. Yeah, you need some years of Han Solo being okay. And then he wanted to watch Indiana Jones. And we're like, oh, I don't know. He's like five and a half. And, he, and we're like, okay, but you have to close your eyes when we tell you. He's like, okay. And he closed his eyes when the people melted at the end. And that's it. And he was super brave during it. It was awesome. So he knew. So he, then he started taking it more seriously than it was Harrison Ford. So at the premiere, my wife goes in and in Westwood. She's going in the theater. And Henry and I are waiting outside with the rest of the cast because... We're, we're going to be announced like the uh, Chris Meldondry is going to announce us one by one and Henry's going to go in and I'm going to go in as the writer right before. And Harrison waves to me and then everyone who wants to talk to Harrison or get a picture with him. So like, I'm like, okay, I guess it's, I'm, I guess I'm not going to talk to him today. So that's fine. Like it's enough to, that he waved, yeah. but he makes his way, he makes his way over and he's like, Hey, how's it going, Brian? I'm like, Oh my God, it's great. I go, I hope you like the movie. He's like, Oh, I already, they showed me the movie. It's great. I love this movie. And I'm like, Oh, that's fantastic. And he looks down at my son and he's got something. My son has sunglasses on because it's super bright and he's wearing a little suit and he goes, and, and, and he goes, who's this? And I'm like, this is my son, Henry. And he goes, Henry. And he gives, puts his hand out. He goes, that's a great look you got. And Henry's like, okay, thanks. And he didn't piece together that it was Harrison Ford yet. <laughs> and, and he goes, and he goes, I go, Harrison, I don't know if you know this, but Oh, well, first of all, I go, Henry, Harrison played Rooster. And then it clicked. You saw it click with Henry that that's Harrison Ford. And I go, Harrison, Henry plays Liam in the movie. And he goes, oh, that's cool. And then he double takes and he goes, oh, wait, he's the main kid. And I go, yeah. And he takes Henry's hand again. And he goes, Henry, you're a really great actor. And like for a five, he just turned six. He just turned six. For a six-year-old to hear that from the coolest person alive is like, I got, I, it was, it was the nicest moment. And I didn't get a picture with Harrison and Henry that day, ex- aside from a group shot with everybody. But that moment was better than any picture we could have gotten. It was the coolest thing in the world. To, that and I'm he, sure as, as a dad, you were, you were yeah. on cloud nine, just. It really, it, 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 yeah, yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm proud of my kid. My, Henry gets some of the biggest laughs in the movie, which is awesome. And I'll also say this is my other. The other legend in the movie, and the, the it was my idea to put him in, it was Dana Carvey is in one and two. And I can't go on enough about how much I love him, like from Saturday Night Live, from Wayne's World, from Opportunity Knocks, from Blank, uh, blank Slate, or Clean Slate. I love Clean Dana Clean Slate Carvey. was so fun. I love, I love him. And he is just like Harrison Ford. He's exactly who you want him to be. He's sweet and he wants to talk and he wants to hang out and he's like, ready to try anything. He comes in the day we record. He's like, I hope you don't mind. I wrote down some ad libs. And we're like, why would we mind? Like you're the funniest person alive, like whatever you want to do. So <laughs> he met Henry that day too. And he had already seen the movie and he's, he, and Dana Carvey looks at him. He goes, he goes, Henry, you're a really good voice actor. And like, 
I go, Henry, you don't appreciate that yet because you haven't seen Wayne's World, but that's one of the best voice actors ever has just told you that. And it was it was a pretty nice day. It was a pretty special day. So that yeah, that that has to be pretty amazing to get that type of praise for, for your kid. Yeah. That it was just kind of like a, a last minute thing where you're like, oh yes, we'll just let the kid try it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll also say this, it's the the movie is about how stressful having a kid is and how much love you have for your kid. And the fact that, I mean, the reason I wrote that was inspired by the kid I had. And the fact that the inspiration for the movie is also the voice of the character that is based on him is the coolest thing in the world. That's awesome. Do, yeah. When you're writing these things, do you, do you ever run lines by your kid or, or, you know, little bits and pieces just to see how he, how he reacts? I ask him if he likes certain ideas. I don't go, I don't do lines, but I, I go, Hey, do you like this idea? And if he a couple days later goes, Hey, are you doing that idea? I'll know it's a good one. Like if it sticks with them. Um, oh, nice. With Toy Academy, with the, with the series of books I did at Scholastic, I told him the idea and he really lit up with it. So that inspired me to, to try it and see if people were interested in it. Yeah. He's a, he's a good, he's a good way to bounce off. Sometimes he likes humor that it's, you know, he's six and now he's seven. So like, it's a little like he likes farts. So, and, uh, oh yeah. So goof, I have, goof. I have a five-year-old uh-huh. and because, you know, she can't hang out with her buddies uh-huh. We let her do the Facebook Messenger kids thing. And oh right, yeah. She'll yeah. have little conversations with her friends, and she she farted the other day and laughed <laughs> while she was you know mid conversation, and her friend went, oh, "You laugh when you fart too," <laughs> and they both had the biggest laugh about it. It was that's great. It's funny. adorable. It's the universal joke for kids. It's it works. It works on yeah. some. It just works on so many levels. There was a moment in Minions where one of the characters wasn't supposed to fart and they didn't tell me they put a fart noise in and (laughs) they didn't tell me until the screening that they put a fart noise in, like a test screening. So it happened and I leaned over because the director was two people away from me and I'm like, what did you do? Like, why did you do that? But he couldn't hear me because the audience was going so insane over the fart line, like just a fart noise. <laughs> there was no, there was no joke. It was literally just a character farts. Like it was, I mean, comedy one one. there is no better comedy than a well-timed fart. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's sad, but true. You're right. You're right. Yeah. That, 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 that got a bit, you can make, you can write the smartest jokes in the world, but when a minion bends over and farts, that's probably <laughs> and the only one that'll get a bigger laugh. is if a minion shows his butt. That's that'll that'll get a bigger line. You can't do both because nothing a like naked a- butt can't fart. But you can you can maybe the third one will do it. What what's the best what's the best criticism you've gotten from people on your scripts? Like note from like the the people. Oh, this. wow, that's a good question. You mean best as in this is a terrible note, or best as in this really helped me write better? I want them both actually. Okay, okay. <laughs> what's one that just like. You're like, what? Really? This? You want this is a hill you want to die on? Oh, there's a lot of that. There's always a lot of that because a lot of people want to go like, well, I'm the funniest, so this is what I would do. There's a lot of have you tried this? And I'm like, Yes, I've tried that. Like, I'm trying to think I'm trying to think of I get a lot of compliments because I get like Chris Meldantrade Illumination. I've worked there for eleven years. He's 
he's a big supporter. Like he, he likes my writing. He, I don't think he, we, I'd work there for that long if he didn't. So he's a fan of mine. I'll say this, that one time I got, a, I handed in a couple pages and he didn't like them, but he's such a nice guy. He sent an email to the producer saying, I don't like these pages. He accidentally sent them that email to me. It, it was not at all. An oh email. no. <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't an, a mean email. It was like, these pages aren't working. I, I don't think Brian did them correctly. It was, it was not mean. It was not mean at all. Chris was so worried that he would offend me that he called me. He's like, that email was not meant for you. Promise me you won't open it. And I'm like, I'm not going to open it. Don't worry. And, but when you know, you, you go to like Gmail, you can kind of see the first line of the, yeah. Of, yeah. I, I could see that it was only one, it was only one line when I went to delete it. And it was like, I don't think these are working we should have Brian try something in new direction. I'm like, that's the worst thing you could say. That's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm working with the nicest Vicious. person. Yeah. No, I've, you know, I've had, I've had notes, you know, I've worked in the business now for like 20 years. So I've had notes that are really weird. Like me that people want me to be more offensive with jokes. If it's an R rated movie. And I'm like, no dude, what are you talking? Like, cause they have their own thing that I, I don't want to be a part of or, or, but sometimes it'll be like, also, could you scale the joke back? It's not just for adults. Like a lot of that in Minions. Yeah. There were, there were notes at test screenings where John Hamm's character named Herb, who, who's Scarlet Overkill's husband, he would say things that were kind of like flirting with his wife. And I think we leaned into it a little too much. And the and parents were like, <laughs> what? What are you doing? I'm like, okay. So then we, we got John Hamm back and we did different variations. But I don't know, man, I don't know. I can't, I, I'm going to have to email you. <laughs> I don't I don't remember any other than that just like this is like lame 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 I'm like okay dude like that doesn't help it's just lame but okay but lately I've been, I've been in a place for over a decade now where I don't get bad like offensive notes they're they're very nice there so you 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 very masterfully kind of bridge the the gap in in these films we talked about a little bit where you're able to to write for for both young and old in your audience, do you have any like any advice you could give to someone in in being able to play for those audiences? Well, I would sort of, first of all watch the the Muppet Show and watch the the first three Muppet movies because they do it perfectly, I think. But I would but I would say yes, a joke should make you laugh too, even if it's a kids movie. You know, and even if it's for all ages, if you think a joke is funny, it should go in. But then be be hyper aware of if it's offensive or if it's if it's correct for kids. So I think it's basically just write what you want to write with an ear towards can a kid hear this joke? I you know I'll say this too. I man up until fairly recently, I've, I've talked to my wife about this. Is I've always written a script picturing my a certain person reading it, and so I'm trying to make that person laugh. I remember with with Big Helium Dog, which is the movie I did with Kevin, I was trying to make Kevin laugh. I was trying to make Vin laugh. With the Muppet movie, I was trying to make my sister laugh. I was trying to make anyone that worked on the Muppets laugh. Like, would Jim Henson think that's funny? He, he had passed since then, but before then. But with for, for Minions, it was definitely trying to make the director Pierre laugh and Chris laugh. And I will say this, with Pets 1, I was so tired because I was writing Pets 1 I took over Pets 1 from Cinco and Ken while I was finishing Minions. So there was an eight-month period where I was writing both at once. Oh, wow. Yeah, that has to be exhausting. Exactly. So Chris asked me if I would try Pets. And I was like, yeah, but I I didn't think I'd get – I didn't think I'd keep with it until the end. 
So when I got handed those pages or, you know, the pages to rewrite, I was trying to make myself laugh. And I was writing just for me, just for the pure enjoyment of it because I, or else I couldn't go through it. I was so tired. Like I couldn't. So if you watch the movie, I don't know if you remember the scene where Gidget beats the crap out of the hairless cat to find out information about yes. Max. That line, that, that scene wasn't in the movie. That scene was basically like the cat's like, I'm not telling you anything. And that's it. And I wrote the scene where she's like, I'm done being nice. And I, and she kicks his ass. <laughs> and that is basically where Gidget's character changed from that point on, because Gidget was always before I came on was written as very sweet, doe eyed, loves Max, but isn't a dog of action. And from that moment on, she became that. So that movie was one of the only ones lately that I've just written for me. Pets 2 was written for every time I have a movie come out, the premiere is fun. It's a, it's a great time. But I always, on the Sunday after it comes out, I try to round up my friends and see the movie. Pets 2 was written with an eye for that day of enjoying it with my friends. So, And I got to tell them that, which is really cool. We got to see it on <laughs> Sunday. And I was like, I wrote this movie literally for this moment. So it was a combination of that and wanting to make my son laugh because it's, it's a Valentine to him, basically, of how much Max loves this kid. Oh, man, that's amazing. So it was, it, so it, it's always that it's always remember who your audience is for. And if you have to imagine someone specific, like just go for it. Like that, that helps me a great deal. And then my wife and I were talking recently that it's been a long time since I've written to make myself laugh other than pets. One I've been, if you work at a place long enough, you, you want to make the people you work with laugh. I'm like, Oh, I wonder what's in me right now that would make me laugh. And I, I look forward to seeing what that is in a matter of, you know, in the next year or so, I'll find out. Do you have anything on the horizon that you can talk about, uh, like, that that we haven't really branched on yet? I don't know if, it, nothing's been announced yet, but I have two more movies that I wrote for Illumination that are in er, very, very early stages of, of being made. But They'll come out eventually. I hope. I hope they do. I don't. I don't know. Minions Two is next July, but that's just my story. And the Pets Ride is whenever Universal opens back up. I guess. Aside from those two movies, I, I really don't. I don't know what the next thing is, and that feels really cool for the first time. I'm not quite sure you what. To take a breath, man. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. You know, it's funny. Is like aside from like a vacation where my wife and my kid and I will go away for like a, a week. I don't. I haven't had. I haven't stopped writing since I worked at Illumination and like Pets and Minions, it's usually overlapping. Like the projects are overlapping and that was easier to do before I had a kid. And now it's not, it's to the point now where like, I haven't even, uh, I had a bunch of kids books, half written comic book ideas, half written. And I just haven't gotten to it because I'm so tired, but I, but I, you know, I'm starting to go like, well, what, what does make me laugh? And it's funny. Cause what we do, what we do in the shadows is kind of like, man, that's, that's intriguing. Like that kind of show is, I just love the confidence that show has. And I would like to try something like that, that tone. So I I heard a rumor Mm. and if you don't want to talk about it, I'll cut this out. It's no big deal. Okay. Monster squad was, was that a project that you were? Oh, it's awesome. No, I'll talk about you. I'll talk about this. You don't have to cut this out. I wrote, I had, this is funny. I had a, a game I played when I was a little kid called Nightcrawlers, And it would be that I would, wrap blankets that I would sleep in around me to protect myself from monsters that were coming for me because <laughs> as a kid, like you always put blankets over yourself because you bet because monsters can't get through the blankets. So I was like, so I'm just going to make a uniform of the blankets so they can't get me and I'm going to fight them. So I wrote that as a movie 20 years ago 
and it was called Nightcrawlers. And they were like, we're making this in a year. It didn't get made. It's still in development there, by the way. I haven't worked on it in decades. But at one point, Warner Brothers had the rights to Monster Squad. And they were like, well, let's just turn Nightcrawlers into Monster Squad. And then, and I had nothing, I wasn't working on it at that point. But you would have thought that I stole everybody's copy of Monster Squad from them from the emails and messages I was getting of like, <laughs> how dare you do this to Monster Squad? I had never wrote a line about Monster Squad. It was always Nightcrawlers. And it was definitely inspired by Monster Squad. It was inspired by Monster Squad and Ghostbusters, plus the game I played when I was a kid. Nice. Uh, but, but yeah, but then they started calling it Monster Squad. And I was so excited because, oh, I didn't know I was writing a remake of one of my favorite movies growing up. That's cool. But then I think, it, I think it's gone back to Nightcrawlers now. I think it's called something else now. I think it's... Yeah. That would be pretty amazing to be able to to take on a sequel to a Shane Black script. I I think Shane Black should tackle any sequels to Shane Black scripts, though. I, I I he's the best man. I don't I I don't even want to touch it. I think the Monster Squad should come back. All the same actors, the ones that are still with us, should play the play themselves, play the characters with kids that are the new group. It'd be so much fun. So. Your your story kind of made me think of a, a story that happened to Peter Sagal, the wait wait don't tell me guy, mm-hmm. in which he he wrote this amazing script about the Cuban Revolution, and it started to get turned into a movie and everything. He was super excited about it, and then all of a sudden, they turn it into Dirty Dancing Two, and so his he had, hey, they were, yeah yeah what? Dirty Dancing Two was supposed to be a kind of a historical movie about the cuban revolution and they're like oh well let's put a love love story in it and we'll we'll do that and then eventually he's writing the sequel to dirty dancing so, uh, so dirty havana dancing to savannah okay. havana nights it was not about dancing at any at the when it started it was about havana it was no just a, it was <laughs> so <laughs> you know what's funny is i see that on hbo max I, i've never seen dirty dancing too and i think the first dirty dancing is great so I was like, should I watch Havana Nights? And I'm like, now I really now I'm watching Havana Nights for sure. <laughs> oh man, please don't do that on my account. Um, <laughs> I, I don't it he he is no Patrick Swayze. I don't know who it is. I don't know who the new guy is. Is Patrick Swayze not even in it, like as a cameo? I don't even I I don't think so. I think maybe it even pre like the I don't uh, know even know if the time would, would be around. <laughs> wow. So yeah. Wow. Yeah, that that was. Uh, I have an older sister, and <laughs> I have folks that live in North Carolina. They filmed that the original Dirty Dancing in North Carolina. So when we went on vacation to see my grandparents, we had to make a detour at the <laughs> the campground where they filmed Dirty Dancing. That's and, awesome. Yeah, that's funny. You know, my mom watched that movie constantly. Played the soundtrack constantly, and oh, I that soundtrack was. It's great. The soundtrack slaps, man. It's great. Uh, yeah, I've had a time in my life is great. And you know what? She's like the wind is pretty awesome. It's a pretty awesome song. But my I had never seen it until maybe 10 years ago. And they played really? it at Arc- Yeah, they played it at Arclight Sherman Oaks in a theater. So I'm like, I want to go see it. I've never seen it. I want to see it. And I was like, oh, this movie's great. Like Patrick Swayze's really lovable in it, but Jennifer Gray is hilarious in it. She it's 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 oh it's yeah, a, she's great. It's a good movie. My mom was correct. So do you ever kind of I, I find myself doing this do you ever kind of like test movies on your kid and just kind of like what do you think about this sure yeah oh yeah like in terms of like original ideas 
No, no, no. I mean, like, like films that you grew up with that you liked. You're like, let's see, let's see how the kid thinks about this. I yes, and it's one of the best. It's a it's a great joy when he actually loves something that we show him. Like he loved Roger Rabbit. He loved Raiders of the Lost Ark. But it is so hard getting him to to watch something a little older. Like he's like, it hurts my eyes. I'm like, what? What? Like what? <laughs> if it's, he likes. He wants animated. He really wants. If it's Pokemon, like Pokemon is his number one thing. But it, that we tricked him into watching My Neighbor Totoro by telling him it's kind of like Pokemon. Like she finds like a magical creature in Japan, and he's like, okay, I'll watch it. And he loved it. Um, I still haven't but, seen that. Oh, you got to watch that, it. That is a blind spot for me. I need to. If, I need to see those films. Watch with your kids. Watch Totoro and uh, Kiki's Delivery Service, and then if you think they can handle a little weird, a little scary, go Spirit Away. It is. They're, they're just great movies. They're. You, it's a great. You have a great time ahead of you if you watch them. Oh yeah, yeah. So, do, is there anything coming out on on the bookend that you want to talk about before we we wrap it? I don't want to take too much of your time up. Oh, this was great. This this flew by, didn't it? I was like, oh, it's only been like a half hour. It's been yeah, now. yeah. Well, uh, well, like right right at like in right at an hour, I think. It's it, I got I have I mean nothing except for like I hope if you go to Universal Hollywood, you like the Pets ride when it opens and the Minions too. I hope you enjoy the story that I came up with. <laughs> um, but like no, I've got no, like I've got it's it's odd because usually I have like I have eighty things, but you know Toy Academy, the book one and book two are available from Scholastic wherever. Books are sold like you can Amazon or Barnes and Noble or any any store. Hopefully, will have it. I'm super proud of those, and and I'm working on more with those characters because they've really it's really clicked with the kids that have read it. So that we're going to jump back into that world, and I don't know if it's going to be a, a, another chapter book or like you were talking about like a comic done in a comic so, a dot comic form, or maybe a show or a movie. We'll see. We'll see what happens. That's awesome. And one thing I always ask guests comics. We started out as a comics podcast awesome. and eventually started talking to amazing folks like yourself oh. that, that do things that, you know, are well outside of comics. Comic shops are the lifeblood of the industry. Yes. No comic shops, no direct market, no comics industry. Do you have any places that you want to talk about that, that you're quite fond of or oh uh, sure yeah first of all my first job ever was at a comic store it was in comics plus on route 35 in middletown new jersey it's not there anymore but it was like right at the height of like rob rob liefeld's x-force coming oh, out. oh wow the jim lee chris claremont x-men read like the one where that like five different covers where you put them together and they're all together so right uh, during that bubble yes the robin hologram covers so i i you know that that was a great memory and i, I love it i and then you know of comic books that uh, stores that are still there when i'm in new jersey i absolutely love jay and silent bob secret stash the coolest store and mike is the most helpful person ever when you're looking for comics um and walt is great and ming is usually there so that's amazing the comic store here i go to is uh called earth two it's on ventura in in sherman oaks and they are the nicest people and at any given point you walk in and i'm like oh this is a awesome celebrity that it's just like starts like it's like five like, i used to go to meltdown back when i lived more, like closer to meltdown which is a west hollywood comic store and it would be so funny to go in every every wednesday there'd be like assistants going in like their executives would send their assistants in to to get whatever's new so they find something to option find something to turn into a movie or you'd find actors like going like do i look like this person like it's it's just, it's like, I can play this person if this movie gets made. But the Sherman Oaks, the, the, the Earth 2 here is a, sm is a small shop 
full of just like comic fans. So when I go in, it's like these awesome writers, like the creator of Heroes was there one time, the NBC oh, show. Cool. Um, yeah, like the, the lost writers go in there. And it is, it's a, it's a wonderful shop. And they're, they're, the employees there are super awesome and super supportive. I, yeah, I love it. I love it. And there was, there was a, a place called Blast Off Comics in North Hollywood that just closed. And that was a really cool shop as well. I'm probably leaving one out. I love Golden Apple. I love Heidi Ho in Santa Monica. That they, They're very nice to my kid. They have a lot of Pokemon stuff, and that's what my kid knows as the Pokemon comic store, and they <laughs> they, they they help him with that. So, yeah, I, I, comic stores are the best. It's just they're the best. Absolutely. It's always great when, when you talk to somebody at a shop and you just see the passion they have for the medium and the, you know, the love they have for the, the characters. I always like to kind of see what I'm missing out on. Yeah. So are they good? Aren't they great at that? Like the best stores are like, you, oh, you like this? Here's five other comics that are similar. Like, and then you have five new things you're obsessed with. It's the oh, best. yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I'm, I'm easily sold books. So <laughs> me too, me too. Well, Brian, thank you so much for talking to me tonight. Man, I cannot wait to see the the new Minions movie, The Rise of Gru. And man, it's just been a pleasure. So Thanks. this was so fun. I appreciate it. Thank you again. And anytime you have anything coming up that you want to talk about, or if you have another movie coming up that you want to give a shout out about, give us a holler, man. We'd love to have you back on I'd and stay safe out there. Mask up, gloves <laughs> on, all that good stuff. Definitely. Oh, man, people aren't taking it seriously here. I hope they are no, over there. No, we're headed. No, they're not. We're headed for another like a couple weeks yeah i think it's but 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 just keep your family safe make that make that the priority make sure your family and friends are okay oh yeah yeah but we can't change everyone just be careful be careful you know we we were we've been really good about keeping the kids like away from other people so like they i feel like we're treating them like like the kid in the plastic bubble yes and my (laughs) my kid is getting super bored with me and and I'm like, you're going to thank me a year from now. I swear you are. <laughs> like, I, you know. A week ago, we had a Zoom meeting for, for my five-year-old. It's her pre-K class. And she was talking. The teacher asked her a question. And she said, you know, how, how have things been? And Holland went, I just want to play with my friends. Yeah. And started crying. And immediately, all 18 other pre-K kids in her class just started Balling their eyes out. Yep. It's, it was it's, the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's no fun for us, but it's really hard for the kids, and I, it's 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 terrible. It's re- like they just don't get it. Like we get that it's keeping them safe, but we're keeping them from their friends and their, their life. They know. And then is- my my wife was smelled. I was making coffee the other day, and it was a new kind of coffee and it smelled like the chicory we get at the beach. Mm -hmm. And we had this discussion the other day about going to the beach and she was like, I'm still freaked out. I don't want to go and possibly expose our kids to something. So we're not going to go. And she smelled this chicory coffee and started bawling. She said, I just want to go to the beach. So man, it's, we'll get through this. Yeah. It'll be better days are ahead, but, but yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard. Just, Stay strong, man. Has that affected your writing any? I'm writing more because I don't get to go anywhere. But (laughs) I'm also I'm also teaching my kid. Like I'm also in charge of his school day, so it's a weird it's a weird balance. But I am writing more. I've written I've written a script and a half since this has started. Oh, that's nice. 
<laughs> I mean, I guess. I hope it's good. I don't know. I just, uh, I, will, I think it's good. It's good. It's weird to write characters that are going outside and like hugging and like, <laughs> like, oh, that sounds fun. I want to do what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Brian, again, thank you so much for coming on. And we, I can't wait to get this posted because I had a lot of fun talking to you, man. I had a great time, man. Thank you so much. All right. Take it easy, brother. You too, bud. Bye. We're back. We are back. That was fun. That was fun. Thank you, Omi Coke. <laughs> every time, every time, man, every time. That, that was cool. That was, that was cool. I mean, I, uh, it's funny because I told my daughters that, uh, you know, Casey was talking with the writer of those movies of Secret Life of Pets because they're both, th- I mean, Secret Life of Pets 2, when that came on Netflix, my kids watched it like every day for two weeks. So they were excited. Like, they, they had no questions. Or they, I don't think they quite understand what a writer does for a movie like that. I mean, Sadie and Mike, I don't think Tegan does, but they're like, that's so cool. <laughs> that's hilarious. Anytime I get my kids to go, that's so cool. Something we do is a win for me, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Mine don't care. She's like, whatever. Give it time. Know Give it time. Doing. She's a little older. She will. Yeah, maybe. Or she'll be like, God, you're a dork. I mean, you Can't are. Believe. This is true, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a lot of well, fun, man. I, I, I'm shocked that we were able to get somebody of the caliber of Brian Lynch on. Hey, man, don't, 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 uh. Don't, don't knock the power, the power of the spoiler of the spoilerverse, right? <laughs> don't knock the power of the spoilerverse because uh, we're pretty epic. We are. We're super epic. Hey, Johnny. Yeah, what's up? Did you did you like that? I did. You know, you can go and hear other interviews a lot like that one if you go to spoilerverse.com. Did you know that? You can go through our back issues. Yeah, you can go through our back issues and, and listen to tons of episodes of ours and other podcasts too. Yeah, yeah, and. There's articles. Tons of articles. <laughs> I think if people go there and check out the articles, check out all the different podcasts, you're going to find something that you enjoy. And right now, uh, there is no paywall. So it's all there for you to peruse and, and download and have fun with. Yeah, yeah. And while you're there, make sure you look on the store link and go buy something to help us pay the bills here because it gets pricey after a while for sure. That's for sure. It'll look fly as hell too. Yeah, you can look fly as hell while you wear our t-shirts and wear our, our hoodies and stuff. No hats yet, but hats coming soon, hopefully. Oh, my God. Why can't we get hats? You know how hard it is to get baseball hats? It's so weird. You'd think it'd be like one of the main things that people would be like, sell hats on your website with your logo, but it's just not there. Yeah, yeah. So if you make hats, let us know. You got to us. There you go. All right, guys. I think we're out of here, yeah? We're out of here. Okay, there's only one last thing to talk about. What's that? Now she's a podcast. We are Cthulhu. As Cthulhu compels you to do, open the mind and read more.